Hey everyone, it's Maurice. Before we start the show, I want to thank you all for listening and for your support, especially our Patreon members. If you're not a member of our Patreon page yet, check it out at patreon.com forward slash revision path and pledge today. For just $5 a month, you get an ad-free version of this episode. You get access to behind-the-scenes clips and videos, information on upcoming articles and reviews, and so much more. So if you support us, if you support our mission, just head on over to patreon.com forward slash revision path. All right, let's get on with the show. This episode of Revision Path is brought to you by Facebook Design. You've heard of Facebook, right? Huge site, over 2 billion people visiting it every day. But what's it like actually working there? I talked with product designer Kian Lavi to find out. The most interesting thing, I think, is how social people are. I get a pulse on what's going on at the company almost every day. And it's just fascinating to see how many hundreds of thousands of different projects are going on at any given moment from everything from VR to advertising to, you know, setting up infrastructure for internet in third countries. It's pretty remarkable. Learn more at facebook.com forward slash design. Are you looking for a job? Do you know someone who's looking for a job? Then check out our job board over at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. This week, Buffer is looking for a senior marketing designer for a remote position. AARP in Washington, D.C. is looking for an editorial director. And General Design Co. in Washington, D.C. is looking for a graphic designer. We also have job listings from Indeed.com, so head to the Revision Path job board at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs to apply and to search for any other listings. Don't forget to sign up for weekly job alerts and when there are new positions added to the job board, you'll get an email so you can be the first to apply. Again, that's revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, I want to talk about our sponsors, Glitch, Google Design, and MailChimp. Now, Glitch is a friendly community where you'll build the web app of your dreams. Whether it's beautiful digital art, handy tools to help you do your work, or a site for your project or cause, you'll find things on Glitch that remind us the web can still be a fun, creative place full of unexpected surprises. Get started today at Glitch.com. Google Design is a cooperative effort led by designers, writers, and developers at Google. They work across teams to publish original content, produce great events, and foster creative and educational partnerships that advance both design and technology. For more information on news, design resources, and their design podcasts, check them out at design.google. MailChimp is the world's leading marketing platform for small businesses. Millions of people and businesses around the world trust MailChimp to publish the right content to the right person at the right place at the right time. Build your brand, sell more stuff, find your people, and tell the world your story. Sign up for a free account today and give it a try. MailChimp. Send better email. We got another new review from Apple Podcasts, and forgive me because this one just came through despite being up now for over two weeks, so I apologize about that. Uh, But this one comes from Adam underscore box and the title is I've heard 30 plus hours of revision path. Love it. That's great. Okay. Okay. Here's the review in my top three for developer podcasts. I went away for about a year, but now I'm back strong. Good thing. There are over 200 plus episodes of this show. Thank goodness for a developer podcast. That's not from New York slash San Francisco. That's not just one kind of guest, And that's not just writing back end code. Revision Path is from Atlanta, and about half of the developers went to art school, not MIT. The vibe here is a bit gentler and a bit more humble than some of the too-much-coffee-sounding tech podcasts. Mari's Cherry lowers my blood pressure as soon as I hear his voice. <laughs> Sorry, that, that, one, that one made me laugh. Adam Box, thank you so much for that review. Thank you. I mean, we're a design podcast. We do have some developers on from time to time, and I know that... 
even with just how revision path is categorized most directories don't have an arts or design category but they do have text so we end up kind of being shunted into that but regardless i think it's great that developers can gain insight from the interviews here so thank you so much for listening thank you for leaving that really great review now for this week's interview we're continuing hbcu month here on revision path and this week's guest is visual artist and creative entrepreneur carrie michael robinson let's start the show all right so tell us who you are and what you do my name is carrie michael robinson um, but I usually go by Carrie Michael. And um, I consider myself a visual artist or a creative, creative entrepreneur. Um, I work here in Washington, D.C. at the Patent and Trademark Office. And I'm also a, um, I say that's, I'm a full-time entrepreneur, full-time worker. Um, that's my day job at the Patent Office. And then um, I also um, develop artwork ranging from acrylic to oil paintings, um, graphic designs, and um, I showcase in exhibitions throughout Washington D and surrounding areas. I've been in New York, New Jersey, um, also been in showcased in Georgia and Florida. Plan on going to the West Coast soon. That's about it. I'm originally from Mobile, Alabama, um, but I've been in D.C. for about eight years. Um, don't plan on moving, anything like that. Um, <laughs> and uh, I just like to get my hands on all things creative. Um, well, we'll get into all of the the fine arts and all your other work. I, I we definitely will have time to get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's bring it back to this whole thing about you working for the the patent office. You're a design patent examiner for the U.S. Patent and uh, and Trademark Office. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I feel like you have a unique position as a creative entrepreneur that also knows the legal side of how designs are patented and trademarked. Yeah, absolutely. I think working in the field of um, intellectual property has definitely helped me as an artist um, to kind of know what territories to stay away from, you know, and just knowing the right protection to have for whatever um, type of design or invention that you seek protection for. Um, Because there's patents, um, there's copyrights, and there's trademarks. And um, just knowing, you know, to kind of it, it just helps me moving forward because, I, like I said, um, talked about a little bit earlier, that everyone's inspired by someone or something. So, you know, when you draw inspiration from something else and kind of, you know, incorporate that style into whatever design or whatever, you know, you're coming up with, you don't want to, you, you want to, you want the inspiration, but you don't want to design something that's exactly like someone else's because then that's when infringement and stuff comes about. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, just knowing all those legalities and everything kind of helps me as an ind- independent artist. Um, and also, you know, try to share a little bit of knowledge to other people who might be seeking protection over their designs and inventions as well. And I think it's very important Um to have that protection because, you know, on these days where we like to share on social media, you want to get your name Mm -hmm. out there you want to spread awareness of whatever your design or your, you know, new business or whatever it is, but you run the risk of other people stealing those ideas and claiming them for their own and, um, you know, taking your concept and just running with it. So um, I think it's very important, um, you know, to own whatever it is that you come up with. Yeah. I mean, as you said that, I just thought of like half a dozen different things that I know I've seen just this year where someone has shared something on social media. Mm-hmm. It started to pick up a little bit like they shared on Instagram or on Twitter. And then someone completely lifted that design and like put it on a T-shirt or like a, a company or yeah, award yeah. ceremony, for example, in your case, used your work. And you didn't get any kind of credit for it. Like, yeah. and, and, and that kind of stuff boggles me because you, as a designer, as an artist, you want to get your work out there. Like I see it all the time where people will put out like a hashtag or something. And then someone will put out, you know, a few images of stuff and be like, Twitter, do your thing. You know what I'm saying? Like they'll put it out there wanting it to spread, but then someone else picks it up and then you're like, oh, well, you could have paid me for that. But then like, it's a, it's a weird kind of thing. You want to publicize your work, but then it, it runs the risk of, of getting infringed like that. Yeah, it's really not cool and it's very disheartening to kind of, you know, especially in the, the field of arts where it's already kind of cutthroat and it's, it's really hard to kind of, you know, stay motivated and just keep the inspiration to to create. Um, and when stuff incidents like those occur, it just 
makes you feel defeated. You kind of feel discouraged. You feel disrespected. Um, especially, mm-hmm. you know, we all we all want to get our name out there. We all want a fair shot and an opportunity. But I've had friends of mine who have developed, you know, artwork, and they open up a magazine in the store and they see their artwork there. And not only are they not being paid for having their work advertised, but the people don't even give them credit for the work. You know what I'm saying? Like at least shout me out, put my social media handle on there. You know what I'm saying? At least give me right. credit. Uh, as the artist, you know, to develop that design, don't steal it and say it's your own and mass publicize it. It's good promotion and publicity, but when people can't, you know, trace back to who the artist is, it's, it's like, a, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's null and void at that point. It's like, okay, my work is out there, but no one knows it belongs to me, you know? So, but yeah, it happens all the time. And it's like, once you put it out there without any protection, there's really nothing you can do. You know, you can, you can, seek legal action or whatever. But, you know, if you don't have that protection prior prior to someone else, you know, um, showcasing the work somewhere else, you mm-hmm. know, you're at a loss. So speaking about that protection, you mentioned, you know, just briefly about patents, trademarks, copyrights. What are the differences between those? And for designers that are listening, you know, I'm sure they might have this question, which one should they have? Should they have all of them? Should they have just one or two? Like, how does it all work? Uh, it, it really depends on the product or the, the design. Um, if there's something like physical, like a, a 3D product, something that you can physically see and touch um, that you've developed, you would want to seek a patent for that. And um, it would have to. And then, um, you know, when you submit your application, you have to make sure whatever it is that you're seeking, seeking protection for doesn't exist already. I encourage people to do their own research, you know, um, and you want to you want to present the idea as if someone else um, can is able to duplicate. You know, when you present the idea and get a seek a patent for it, you want to make sure that the design is clear so that someone can understand it and they can recreate it based on your description. Um, and I recommend people like if you're coming up with a new um, idea for a process or for, like I said, something that you can physically see or touch. Um, they also have patents for like cell phone icons and apps and things of that nature. Um, and then um, there's two types, of, two, two main types of patents. There's a design patent with, which um, protects how an invention looks. And there's a utility patent which protects how the invention operates, you know, how it functions. Um, but then you have a copyright. Copyrights, um, I recommend like photographers and artists to get copyrights um, because that protects like a work of art, an original work of art. And then you have a trademark, which is geared towards, you know, logos and slogans and things of that nature for like new businesses. Um, and there's a trademark database that you can kind of search um, that's open to the public and you can see what, what else is already out there and um, see how they classify everything. Um, so those are the main, you know, three main types of intellectual property protections. Um, and like I said, it would just depend on the artist and what they're seeking protection for. Now, like a case of a photographer, for example, someone that like makes continuous creative mm-hmm. work, do they have to get a, or should they get a copyright for like every piece of work that they put out? Or is there a way you can just get like, a blanket copyright of all works that you've created. Yeah, um, there's a way you can get a batch of photographs and a batch of artwork, uh, you know, copy, copyrighted together. Um, but they would have to, you have to present it as like a collection or like a set. Um, okay. Yeah, most of the time, you know, they're all kind of consistent or, you know, with the, with one another. Like, say, for instance, you have a um, photography that captures like a beach or something like that. And you have multiple images, you know, that are all beach themed within that set. Um, and you can just do individual copyrights per set like that. And it'll be okay. costly to get a, a copyright for each photograph. You're looking at like thousands of dollars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I was just thinking that. I mean, especially if you're, if you are always, putting out new photos or if you're a designer and you're always putting out new logos or stuff like 
you got to get each one of these things copyrighted. I could see copyrighted or trademarked. I would see how that could become pretty expensive pretty quickly. Yeah, but at the end of the day, it's all worth it. I encourage people, you know, invest in your craft, invest invest in your product, um, you know, just to have that protection. Just like insurance, you know, we have to protect ourselves. It's, you know, we pay for insurance. Comes out of our paycheck every month. It's costly, but it's worth it. I hear that. <laughs> Amen to that. So let's let's go back. Now, as we talked before we started recording, you and I are both from Alabama. You're from Mobile. I'm from yes, Selma. Sir. We talked about you going to LaFleur. Yes, <laughs> what what was your what was your time like growing up in Mobile? What was that like? Um, growing up with Mobile, it was it was okay. It was cool, you know. I never, you know, discredit where I came from. You know, I say Alabama raised me, but you know, DC kind of made me, you know, it's like I grew okay. up, I had family. All my family is back in Alabama, actually. Um, I enjoyed my time in the band and just, uh, you just, you know, when you're in high school, you really have no direction. You just want to, you know, make good grades and you want to, you know, party and just, you know, make friends and all that type of stuff. Um, yeah. But once I discovered what it was that I wanted to do for a living, I realized that Alabama, you know, wasn't the place for me to be. Ultimately, you know, um, I felt like, I want to go away from school, you know, get new ex- experiences and, you know, just just go and kind of, you know, explore and kind of gather knowledge and um, wisdom um, so that I can bring that back when I come to Alabama, you know, um, and be able to share with people my all of my life's experiences. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and then Alabama is really not, you know, there are creative opportunities, but there is not, you know, it's very hard to kind of um, to thrive in Alabama. Yeah. It's really not a creative community, I would say. Um, I do have a few friends who have been able to um, have been able to kind of establish um, different creative ventures in Alabama. You know, some of them, you know, with my guidance, you know, with me having having been to FAMU and SCAD, you know, you know, I've been able to provide them some kind of insight on how to do things. And, you know, they were able to kind of create a, an actual, you know, artistic climate in Mobile, Alabama, particularly. But, um, you know, it's very slow, but, you know, you got to start from somewhere. <laughs> right, right. Now, speaking of that kind of starting from somewhere, after you graduated, you first went to Tuskegee University. Talk about that. Um, so I initially went to Tuskegee in the um, summer, actually, after I finished high school in 2005. Um, okay. A month later, I started the fast track program. It was an engineering program. Um, and with me just just coming out of high school, it wasn't like it wasn't even a month. It was just like a couple of weeks. Yeah. I started college in engineering. I really didn't have time to kind of figure out what it is I wanted to do for a living. I knew I liked math. I knew I liked science. But, you know, when it got to the calculus and the chemistry and stuff, I was like, no, I'm good. Like, I like <laughs> subtraction division all that stuff. And I was like, you know what? Um, so yeah, it wasn't until when I went to Tuskegee, you know, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I did well in my classes. I finished, um, the summer program with the 4.0, but I wasn't, I wasn't fulfilled. I, I wasn't satisfied. Um, and it wasn't until, let's see, I was involved in the Sp- spaghetti bridge project. Um, and we had to build sp- spaghetti bridges that, we that would be placed in between two tables and they would put a weight in between um wrapper weight weight around the bridge to make sure it's sturdy so there was a lot of engineering involved in that i was in on a group uh, with a team of like three three other um engineering majors and i just didn't contribute to the project at all that was like my my point. <laughs> i was like i'm not feeling this you know the only contribution i made was to how the um, spaghetti bridge looked. I think I came, we came up with the dope design. Um, I think we we cut out some magazine clippings and like affixed it to the top of the bridge. And it had like a little saying on it. I can't remember what exactly what it was, but it looked like graffiti. So everybody was like, man, that bridge looks good. But you know, everything that looks good isn't always good. So the, the bridge broke. <laughs> so we lost <laughs> that part of the composition, but we got bonus points for how the bridge looked. And it, w- it was that moment that I was like, you know what? You know, maybe I should pursue pursue something in art or design. Um, and so 
yeah, from that moment, I left Tuskegee and, you know, went to FAMU and started my sophomore year at FAMU, where I um, switched my major from electrical engineering to fine art with a minor in graphic design. I don't know if I should continue elaborating. Or <laughs> no, no, please do. I mean, I think it's it's important to note, you know, some of the things you just mentioned was very similar. I'm thinking to my story. Like I, I went to Morehouse two weeks after I graduated yeah, high school. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I'm out. Right uh, and I'm, yeah, like you jump, you jump right into it. And, and it's, it's a, it's a, like you say, it's a fast track. Like yeah. I remember going, going there, being there for the summer. And I think there was maybe like a week or two between the program ending and then the semester starting. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. once you get there in that first semester, they just, it's, it's full speed ahead. Yeah. But I think it's important that you kind of realize very early on, like, this is not, this is not what I want to do. It's not for me. And you ended up transferring to, uh, to FAMU. What was the design program like there? Yeah. So going to FAMU, the design program, it was a very small program. You know, I, we had classes on um, the majority of the classes were all in the same building, the Foster Tanner building. Um, there were, you know, only a few teachers who taught, you know, multiple classes. Um, I learned a lot from my mentor, Mr. Harris Wilshire, who was the department head. Um, and, you know, I just felt like, you know, with me going to FAMU as an out-of-state student, you know, paying out of pocket, because um, at that time when I transferred, I lost all my scholarships that were offered to me as an incoming freshman. You know, I, I started as yeah. a sophomore. So my goal was to get in-state. But even that was a struggle. Um, you know, me as a transient student trying to work and go to school and live on my own. Um, but the art department, it was very small community, but a lot of the students I saw, you know, become frustrated because unlike a lot of other majors within the HBCU um, of FAMU, you know, uh, there were a lot of scholarships and a lot of grants and everything available to like business students and pharmacy students. And, you know, the art department, I feel like we didn't really get a lot of that support. Um, There were a couple of small scholarships that they gave us, you know, from the leftover funds. Uh, I happen to be a recipient of the um, William and Camille scholarship uh, program, you know, which was like a stipend to kind of help out. I think it was like a thousand dollars. But considering out of state fees, you know, that 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 wasn't a lot, but it was helpful. Um, Yeah. And so I saw a lot of students start to drop drop out the program for that reason. You know, they didn't have the financial support. Um, Even people who are in state, you know, they just because we you know, a lot of other um, majors, they have to buy books. You know, they have to, you know, mainly books. But with our students, we had to buy supplies and those supplies were expensive. The, The paint, the pencils, the paper, you know, the sharpeners. Um, the sketchbooks and all that, those things added up and we had to pay for those out of pocket. We couldn't go. And most of the time we had to go to like art stores away from campus. So we couldn't, there was, you know, we couldn't borrow books from other students. We had to get fresh supplies every semester. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people dropped out. Um, so I took the initiative to kind of, to start up an art society, which was the fine art society at FAMU. Um, we had a, Apparently we had a art club or whatever, but that was before I got there. And I don't, I don't know what happened to it. I guess it kind of diminished. So I started an art society and um, what we did, we showcased at different venues throughout the city, the Mary Broken Museum being one. Um, we did a lot of black history showcases. We did a lot of fundraisers, bake sales, car washes, and mainly to raise money to kind of help, you know, our department, you know, get some, you know, purchase supplies and things of that nature. And so, um, you know, and then they kind of get, gave people a drive. They're like, okay, I'm in school and I'm also in the art society. You know, it gave them something extra to put on their resume. Um, you know, we all had, um, you know, we were in the press, in the news, and we were on the newspaper for some exhibitions. Um, so that experience was really helpful for myself and a lot of my colleagues as far as you know, even the, getting some of the jobs that we have now, you know, we got a lot of experience through the art society. Um, and then uh, when I left there, I passed the baton on. So the art society kind of lasted for maybe like, I want to say two or more years um, until it kind of diminished again, you know, but, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, it was, it was helpful to me and my colleagues while we were there. 
curriculum wise do you feel like the school really kind of helped you out because afterwards you went and uh, you went to SCAD to get your master's degree yeah absolutely curriculum wise I think it was very helpful uh, especially going to HBCU was really helpful it was kind of motivating to be surrounded by other people who were just like you you know other people of color um, especially other people of color who are also creatives Um, so you Mm -hmm. know a lot of times you know people say artists are weird and you know and all that type of stuff. But when you're surrounded by other people who are just like you, and you know, we all feel normal. <laughs> so, uh, and the curriculum yeah. curriculum was good. Um, within the 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 um, Bachelor of Arts program, we kind of had to take all all types of art classes. You know, we had to take oil painting classes, watercolor painting classes. Um, we had to take acrylic painting classes. We were in like design workshops where we have to solve like real life problems to kind of help us, you know, if you have a client who wants like a restaurant menu um, with this layout, you know, so it wasn't just us. We were creating art, but we were also creating art for a purpose, you know, that we can use in real life uh, scenarios, you know, so they kind of, we also had like a curriculum, um, a colloquium of art management. Um, so I feel like the program prepared us to kind of thrive after college. Um, because with art, you have so many avenues. You can be an independent artist. Or you can be a flea market artist if you want to. You can be a teacher. You can work for other companies as a creative director. Uh, you have so many different avenues. Um, and it's like once you graduate, you're at a crossroads. So they kind of, you know, make sure we dibbled and dabbed in all different types of art. Um, yeah. To kind of, you know, because you you want to be well rounded, but then you want to find your your niche. You want to find you know, what it is that you can be strong at and kind of, you know, strengthen that. Um, so, yeah, all the workshops, all the different classes, you know, because I was, you know, I would right now I paint, you know, that's the art that I kind of choose to do. I paint, you know, use acrylic and oil paint. But before before that, I was so terrified of painting. You know, I didn't even know I had it in me until I was forced to take the class and like kind of, you know, um, get guidance from my professor uh, Lou Nan, he's an amazing oil painter from BAMU. Um, and, you know, they pushed me and now, you know, I can't put the paintbrush down. So uh, I think it's a really, really good program that is kind of, you know, over, you know, overshadowed or overlooked in HBCU. No, that's that's good to hear, because, I mean, work that I've done, just like advocacy work with AIGA and stuff. One of the things that we we're trying to do in some of the early days of the DNI task force was trying to identify which HBCUs had, you know, good, robust, uh, like design and art programs mm-hmm. because, you know, AIGA has student groups, but not many student groups are at HBCUs. They're either at general four-year institutions or they're at art schools. Um, and one thing that I wanted to do, and I don't know, maybe I'll, still try to do this in the future was try to get student groups at HBCUs. But there's, I don't know, there's like these different uh, like requirements that have to go into it. Like you have to have 10 students in the major. They've got to pay, I think it's like 50 bucks a year or something like that. Like there's, there's all this other stuff with it. Like it's not just as simple as saying, Oh, this school has an art program or design program. They can have a student group. There's like all these other like stipulations, but no, it's really great to hear that FAMU has not only that curriculum support, mm-hmm. but also that kind of like social support that sort of brings it all in. So you have like a supportive, creative community oh, and it's not just you like showing up to class, you know? Yeah, absolutely. We also have um, the Foster Tanner Arts Gallery um, within the the um, arts building. So there's a whole, you know, that's a whole nother component. We have a art gallery where, you know, now, and it's not only student work, you know, they have alumni shows, they have shows that kind of incorporates oh. different artists within the area of Tallahassee um, and out of town, you know, areas. Um, I know they do something for homecoming every year and um, they also do um, like reunion type shows. And um, mm-hmm. in addition, we also partner with the journalism building to, um, you know, bring that graphic communication um, classes and curriculum into the arts program. So they kind of go oh. here. They're kind of synonymous with each other. If, you, if you're an art major, nine times out of ten, you're minoring in graphic design. Yeah, so I would kind of walk back and forth between the two buildings. And, um, you know, they were, they were very supportive. You know, they both buildings, you know, had like an alliance, you know, the both departments. And um, 
yeah, we, we took, you know, if you need to learn, you know, about web development and how to use Photoshop and, you know, illustrate all the Adobe programs. Um, we you, we get those, you know, I think the journalism building, they had like Apple computers and then we had the PCs, you know, so we kind of, you know, depending on what project we were working on, sometimes it was better for us to work in the journalism building or in graphic arts building or work in the art building. Um, so I think that was, you know, very, you know, unique as far as us being able to kind of bounce back and forth. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. No, that's that's great to hear. It's, it's funny. I, I just had uh, someone on recently uh, that went to Morehouse, which is my alma mater. Okay. And, you know, it's it's interesting because the I mean, I'll just be honest, like the, the art curriculum at Morehouse sucks. <laughs> like, it's terrible. Like, oh, like I mean, you have to you, you kind of have to take. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's it's not something where they really built out a curriculum. Yeah, you have yeah. to take most of your classes at at Spelman or at Clark or at other schools. Okay. But they did have this social component like we had. Uh, the Dark Tower Project, which was this thing where like uh, artists and like actors and all this stuff could do kind of creative things together. And it was in conjunction. I think some of the stuff was in conjunction with like the local, uh, not the local, the the school newspaper, the Maroon Tiger and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So like you had the social environment, but not necessarily the that kind of curriculum, you know, sort of support. But it's good that to see that the school, that FAMU really kind of looks at this in a very holistic way by, I mean, the fact that y'all have student and alumni shows on your own gallery, like that is, that's amazing. That's, that's really something. I mean, and it's something I think that perhaps students that may go to a traditional design and art college might take for granted, but like that's, that's great because what it does is it builds a culture of design at the school, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's very important. Um, Just building that community, building, you know, because uh, like I said, Alabama, you know, trying to be a creative on my own and, you know, and that when there's not a creative climate, you know, it's very difficult yeah. to thrive. It's very yeah, it is difficult to keep the motivation. Yeah, so that's very important, creating that culture. I agree. Now, from looking at your website, it seems like you have a lot of, of other ventures going on. <laughs> like, I mean, yes, you have your day job, but. Um, you're also doing like art parties. I saw something, uh, about buzz doctor. Uh, there's also, I, I don't know if this is a new venture, but art Bay, like what, how do you juggle all of this with balancing a day job? You know, I'm, I'm pretty much managing like the design process during my day job. You know, even though I work in the design patent department, I'm not actually being creative. You know, I'm, I'm overseeing other drawings and, you know, helping other artists get protection. The patent office is designed, you know, the, the way the job works is designed for, uh, well, first of all, they look for people with the creative background, number one, but they know that, you know, it's working there. Um, the job can get kind of mundane, you know, when you're doing the same thing over and over, um, but they encourage us to kind of, you know, pursue our own creative ventures as well so that we don't lose that drive. Okay. Um, and we have very, we have a very flexible schedule. You know, we, we have a, um, a production system where we work and we, you know, to crank out applications every two weeks. Um, so, you know, it, it allows us room. The job allows us room to kind of do other things. You know, as long as we manage our workload properly and get everything done within a two week time frame, you know, before the deadlines, then, um, you know, they encourage us to do what we do outside of work. Um, so with me having a flexible schedule, me being able to, you know, work from home when I when I want sometimes, um, you know, around the clock if I want, you know, allows me room to kind of, you know, do my own independent artwork and, you know, my other creative projects. Um, and just me, you know, having experience, you know, before I got into the patent office, I had a dream desire of working for a big company like Hallmark or, you know, something like that, which, you know. Um, which is that it might be possible. I might be able to partner and work on a project with Hallmark, but, you know, I just don't think, you know, I, I, I love my job now. And I think that me working small projects is best because a lot of, you know, a lot of times when you work for big companies, you have so many parameters to work around as far as like, you know, being creative and your creativity is limited. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, me having worked in environments as such, um, I prefer to do my own projects where I'm, I'm fully hands on, you know, where I'm fully able to 
embrace whatever creative ideas I have and, you know, employ them and everything like that. Um, and that's why I have so many like different dibbling down. I have so many things going on. I have the Art Bay, which is an arts collective. Um, it consists of, you know, a couple artists in the D.C. area. I have um, my personal, you know, Carrie Michael is my personal brand where I, you know, provide artwork and graphic designs to different clients in the area. And, you know, when clients come to you, they really trust you, you know, to do the work. You know, they trust you as a designer. I don't have to seek approval from anyone else. So, you know, that, mm -hmm. that kind of works best for me, you know, but I don't want to discourage anybody who wants to pursue, you know, a job as a creative uh, director or a job as a, in the creative department, you know, I feel like, like I said, there's so many different avenues you can go once you finish um, in the, in the area of arts period, you know, and um, you just have to figure out what works best for you. And a lot of times that comes from trial and error and that comes from all your different experiences. I'm looking at your Instagram and looking at your social media. It's very clear that you've like carved out this very distinct personal brand. What tips can you kind of give for our audience who want to kind of do the same thing with with what they're doing? Consistency is very, very important. You know, when you develop a brand, you know, say, for instance, like Nike, um, maybe I should use them as an example, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm going to use them anyway. So Nike, you know, they have that swoop, you know, you want yeah, you see Nike when you know a Nike product. When you see a Nike product, you know their branding is very, you know, clean and cohesive. Um, so yeah, you want something that resonates with everyone when they, you know, see your brand. What is it? You know, whether it's a font logo or it's like a symbol or something that sticks out. You know, what I'm saying like you want that to be, you want that to be something that's, that's clean, that's cohesive, that's um, simple and easy to remember. And that they can always identify your work when they when they see that, you know, uh, and it doesn't have to be. It can be if you're an artist, it could be your style. You know, if you do abstract art, you know, um, and use this, you know, a certain layout of colors, you know, um, you want to make sure everything's consistent, you know. And so when when my branding, you know, I try to everything is Carrie Michael. You know, you want it to be easy. You know, you can find me at CarrieMichael.com, Instagram, Carrie Michael underscore. Twitter, Carrie Michael underscore, Facebook, Carrie Michael. Everything is Carrie Michael. You know, there's no need to have all these, you know, different names, you know, like Tornado 2017. And, you know, you know, you don't you don't need all this this extra stuff because people get confused. You know, they want to be able to find you, mm -hmm. you want something simple that you can throw out. People can easily identify your work, easily find you. Um, and I think the creative voice is important. Like, you know, on my, if you notice my Instagram I kind of play with the color yellow. You know, that's something that um, kind of like a campaign that I've been running for like a year now um, where everything, a lot of my posts have traces of yellow in it, you know, um, uh -huh. and that was kind of playing off my, a series of artwork that I was working on with the yellow butterflies to them. But um, so you want, and it kind of, it kind of creates like a, I, I want to say mysteriousness or kind of, you know, you make people curious. You make people want yeah. to like draw them in. It's like, what is this yellow about? You know, and then they start diving and figuring out more about you and, you know, learning your story. Um, so you want to you want to draw people in that way. Um, so, yeah, I encourage anybody who's seeking to kind of brand themselves or or looking to clean up their brand. Um, make sure everything is consistent and cohesive. You want to make sure it, it reads clearly, um, you know. If you want to find a, a, a not, you know, I, I wouldn't say a friend, you know, your friends are going to always tell you anything to make you feel good. But find a, a group, <laughs> a focus group of people and have everybody look you up and see, you know, Google yourself, see what comes up, you know, depending on, you know, depending on whatever your your area of expertise is. If you're, you know, you want to have visibility if you're an artist or if you're a creative. You want to have that visibility where people can find you online, people can find your work. You know, if you have an Instagram page, you know, you want to also have a website so people can easily find your work on your website. Your Instagram page, you know, I, I consider my my page like a just a lifestyle page. You know, everything, you know, you might find artwork, you might find, you know, something design related, a quote or whatever. You might find different stuff. Um, but that's how, you know, but it's consistent. You know, you'll see the same types of stuff on my page. But then you don't want mm -hmm. your work to get lost in that. So, you, you know, for that reason, I have my website 
Um, but the Instagram keeps everything. You know, it shows all my recent work. It's not on my website, but um, you know, you want to have that website. You want to have the email address so people can contact you and everything like that. Um, so yeah, that would be my main things. You know, consistency, uh, making sure you're visible on all the different social media platforms online, and um, yeah, coming up. You know, want you want people to identify you. You want to create a sense of um, um, you know, we want people to be curious about your brand. You know, you don't want people to kind of look at you and be like, okay, you know, I don't, I don't want, you know, I, I, I don't find this intriguing, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah, that's basically it. Okay. So let's kind of, you know, switch gears here a little bit. Cause I, I really am kind of interested to know more about like, what, what is it that motivates and inspires you with, with all of this work and all these different ventures that you're doing? Where does that, that drive come from? You know, just everything around me, everything in life and everything around me. I'm motivated by current events. Uh, and I, you, you know, because I consider myself artistic, um, I try to stray away from being political because I'm really not a political person. However, I do believe it's important to use your platform, you know, whatever it is, you know, and because I'm an artist, I do like to artistically, you know, tell story, tell a story or, you know, raise the awareness of what's going on you know, in the world right now, you know what I'm saying? So um, I do get inspired by current events. Um, I'm also a music fanatic, but I can't sing. So I just like to paint, you know, music artists mm -hmm. or, you know, anything pertaining to music. Um, and um, I'd like to dibble and dab. I like to try. Um, I just like to articulate other people's vision. You know, I get in, I get it. What excites me is is being able to feel accomplished, you know, a sense of accomplishment, knowing that I've helped someone, you know, pursue whatever creative venture it is, you know, help them with a new business logo, help them with a, you know, some website graphics or, you know, help them paint a portrait of their family or whatever, you know, and just getting that yeah. joy of knowing that they trust me as an artist to do work, you know, just inspires me altogether. I feel yeah. you. Do you have any like particular influences when when you're like creating your work, um, I do look towards um, Kehinde Wiley. That's one of my one of my main influences. Um, if you're not familiar with Kehinde Wiley, he actually painted the portrait of Obama that was released this yeah. in the National Portrait Gallery. Yeah, I just love his style, like his his use of color and the way he articulates each detail of people's faces and you know just the body parts and everything. Um, so he definitely has inspired me and a lot of people you know see a lot of you know his work and my work you know or they they they, they can tell that i draw inspiration from him you know i like to i like mm -hmm. to paint faces and people and you know capture the essence of emotions you know whether it's a frown or a smile and um you know i'm really you know really detail oriented so i like to paint faces uh, I know I've been playing a lot with monotone colors, like I'll, I'll paint a face in black and white, but then I'll make my background have a, like a pop of color. Um, but yeah, he's one of my main influences. There's another artist by the name of Kalongi. I don't think he's really, um, I don't think he's like worldwide or anything, but I met him in Mobile, Alabama, and he showcases at okay. um, New Orleans Essence Festival a lot. Um, but I just like the way he kind of juxtaposes um, like, old themes with like contemporary people you know he, he painted a portrait with um like freedom riders where he has obama on a horse he has martin luther king they're all riding they're like the buffalo soldiers he have he has um obama i know it's tupac martin luther king uh, muhammad ali he has all these political um, and prolific figures riding on horses you know just the way he he like um constructs the artwork is just amazing to me. Um, so I draw inspiration mm -hmm. from him. Um, and those are the main two. I, I, and then I kind of kind of keep my own style and um, everything with the color and the, the black and white. Um, yeah, yeah, I would say those are my two main inspirations. Okay. Yeah. Are you satisfied creatively? Like with, with all these different outlets that you have, do you feel like there's something else that you want to do? Um, there, I feel like there's always room for growth and um, improvement. Um, I'm satisfied with the direction my work is going. Um, however, I do, after this recent venture where I painted on this dress, it was just, it was a white dress, it looked like a wedding dress, and I painted the entire dress. 
um, with the galaxy and like a, you know, there's like a landscape and there's like a little, there's like a little um, deer at the bottom. Like I didn't, <laughs> that was a childish because I never painted on fabric. You know, just their wraps around. You know, I painted on a T-shirt before in that little small mm-hmm. space, but painting a full dress, you know, it took a lot of time, but I was very pleased with the outcome. Um, and just seeing, you know, I call it art in motion. You know, I call it um, the art of fashion and, you know, art in motion. You know, just to see, you know, it's one thing to have a piece of art just, just hanging on the wall. But I like the idea of having my artwork, you know, on somebody and they're walking on the runway and, you know, they're able to take it with them. So I think that might be that might be a new venture for me, painting on um, articles of clothing, but actually like, you know, full. it, it looks like a full portrait, you know. Um, but I think yeah, I was really pleased with the outcome. And I think that, you know, I think it looks good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm always trying to, you know, preserve my style of doing things, but always trying to look at new projects. I don't I don't like to back down, you know. Do you have a dream project that you'd like to do? Um, I always talked about having my own like greeting card line um, because that's one thing I do when I go. A lot of people tell me that my cards are very meaningful. I know my mom always tells me like, oh, you just picked the perfect card. Like, you know, I just love like when you go in the greeting card section, you get so overwhelmed, you know, but I like the mm-hmm. idea of being able to sort through the cards and find that card that kind of that really stands out or really represents the person you're giving it to. Um, I know mm-hmm. there's a mahogany line that, you know, Hallmark has where they have, you know, the African-American um, people. And then you have a, you know, cool artwork, cool quotes. Um, and I used to do it like poetry back in the day. So I feel like that would be something cool where I can kind of, you know, take all my different, you know, skills or whatever. I can, you know, create designs for the the um, greeting cards and also come up with quotes or poetry. And then, you know, that work would be mass produced, you know. Um, so that's yeah. something that that's a project I always want to work on. Um, in addition to the fashion projects, I just would love to create more artwork that would be featured in, you know, or, or to, you know, collaborate with a, a prominent fashion line to have some artwork as a part of mm-hmm. um, a collection. Well, no, I, I, it's funny you mentioned the, the greeting cards. I was just thinking we've had a few people on the show who have either done their own greeting cards or they've like, I guess started to like branch out a little bit. Uh, most notably I'm thinking this is like one of our first interviews from way oh, back right. in the day. Yeah. Uh, Alicia Randolph has this line or she did have this line. I don't know if she still has it, but it was called ally L cards, a L L Y E L L E. She's in, she's actually in the DMV area. She works at Vox media as a, uh, as a senior designer. Okay. She was doing, she was doing some cards for a while um andrea pippins who uh is currently living in stockholm she's done some greeting card work that i believe has been in the national museum of african-american history and culture and then uh god who's the third person i'm thinking of and andrea williams i might be saying her name wrong andrea 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 Mm -hmm. sorry if she's listening if i'm (laughs) if i'm butchering her day uh but but she's done or she started getting a lot into doing hand lettering okay and I believe that she's kind of sold a lot of her stuff on Etsy and on Instagram. Uh, her line is called Paisley Paper Company. Okay. Um, so those might be worth worth kind of checking out. I think, yeah, I think Andrea is in. I think she's in Detroit. I believe. Um, okay. If I if I recall, I believe there is. But like, there's. I mean, we've had so many people just in the area in the DMV area who are doing a lot of really interesting like paper stuff, or they're doing like fonts and typography and stuff yeah, like that so big, uh, i mean yeah. I, w- I was at, i mean i was just in dc a few weeks ago and met some of them so like it's i think that collaboration is certainly possible i yeah, mean absolutely i would you know. love to connect with them yeah so is there anything in particular this year that you want to accomplish i know you know we're kind of getting to the the later months in the year is there something that you'd love to do before 2018 ends um but right now i know you mentioned art bay that's actually um I actually want to hopefully develop ArtBay into a nonprofit. Um, so ArtBay is basically okay. uh, a team of um, the ArtBay Society is a team of creatives here in DC. Um, but the whole preface behind ArtBay is that um, you know art putting art before anything else. You know I don't want to get too deep. I don't want to get too deep, but <laughs> but um, 
No, get deep. No, this is this is the place to oh, get deep. Hey, Please go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but whole, the whole concept behind um, Heart Bay is that I just honestly feel like you know God God is the ultimate creator, and you know I feel like we we were all you know we're all made in God's image. So if He's the ultimate creator, then we all have some type of innate ability to create ourselves. You know, and when I say create, it doesn't necessarily have to mean you know being a, a like a a literal artist, you know, you, we all have some type of creative gift within us, you know, you might have the gift of being able to counsel someone or, you know, the gift of, you know, being able to, you know, be a good educator or a good mentor or, you know, something like that. Um, so the whole, the whole gist behind Art Bay is to encourage or inspire people to put their gift or their art before anything else. And when you do that, when you expound on whatever that gift is, and you um, use that gift and push yourself, you'll live a life that's way more satisfying and rewarding, ultimately, um, it, which draws back to my whole story of, you know, pursuing engineering. You know, I was just pursuing that because that's what I felt, you know, would would bring me joy and, you know, you know, give me a lot of money or whatever. But it wasn't until I tapped into, you know, my creative gift where opportunities just started coming left and right. You know, and it, it takes a leap of faith. But, you know, you have to do that, you know, because I know a lot of people, they work jobs that are like dead end jobs. You know, they really want to sing, but they're stuck working at, you know, a restaurant. You know, they don't know how to get out because the money is coming in. They have bills to pay, you know, and so they just kind of live their life, you know, diffusing that 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 gift that God cre- created us to to share with the world, you know. And so it's just it's just encouraging people to kind of, you know, live their purpose through their passion and when they do that you know it'll it'll make them live a, a way more satisfying life you know it might not be lucrative up front but it would eventually you know be lucrative and bring you a lot of money you know you know later on you just never know you know you you never know until you try it you know and so you know right now we have a t-shirt line it's a campaign <clears throat> the t-shirt line um the slogan is when art meets heart and so we have the Art Bay logo on a T-shirt and we want people to use that logo area of the T-shirt and kind of illustrate, you know, whatever their passion is. You know, if, if you're passionate about nutrition, you can illustrate, you know, something, you know, with, with greens or whatever in that shirt. And when you wear your T-shirt, you know, with your illustration in the center, it, it should give you, you know, we want people to, to, you know, give you a sense of pride, you know, to give you a sense of feeling like, hey, you know, you know, this is what I do, you know, and, and you're showing people this is what I do. This is what I'm passionate about. And, um, you know, and it should bring, we, we hope that it will bring people joy. You know, there's examples on my um, Instagram art bait online, where we have people who have ordered T-shirts and participated in the campaign. And, you know, they kind of tell their story about what it is that they do and how they got inspired. And, you know, um, because I have a lot of friends, you know, one of my friends is, is a pharmacist, but he's more passionate about real estate and he's more passionate about, you know, singing. So he's working on an album right now and he's bought two properties at age 32, you know, you know, all this while being a pharmacist and these other things actually bring him joy, you know. So just using people's story like that and just, you know, sharing those stories on my Instagram page, you know, we hope people get on board and, um, you know, begin living their life you know, um, through their passion. And um, the art-based society here, we we actually, aside from the t-shirt campaign, we actually host different art events. You know, we I just started this organization uh, or this startup in July, the end of July. Um, right now, we actually host like sipping paint, paint classes. You know, um, okay. I don't know if you've ever been to one, you know, you bring your friends, you drink wine and we teach you how to paint something. You know, it could be like a flower or some you know, a landscape or whatever. Um, but with our sip and paint classes, we like to pick a different community organize, organization within the area. Um, and we like to donate some of the proceeds to these community organizations. You know what I'm saying? So, um, for instance, we've partnered with an organization here called Sung, which is So Others Might Eat, um, where they, they work to prevent um, homelessness in the D.C. area. So we give some of the proceeds mm-hmm. to them to kind of encourage them to keep moving forward, you know, to kind of accomplish their mission. So we partner with different organizations like that to kind of give back to the community. Um, we also will plan to host different themed art exhibitions. Um, 
where we will, you know, with the ultimate goal to kind of inspire and promote healing through art. Um, so that's basically it. Um, I just want to elaborate a little bit on the art base. So my goal for this year is to kind of, you know, get the startup up and going, get the committees together, um, develop a nonprofit, and to start booking gigs for 20, 2019. We want to have some art events. Uh, we're going to keep doing the sipping paints and partnering with different organizations. And, um, you know, we want Art Bay to resonate as a brand, you know, that everybody can identify yeah. with. <laughs> nice. What advice would you give to somebody that is is looking at all of this great stuff that you're doing and they want to follow in your footsteps? I would say just, you know, never, you know, as an artist, we can be our own worst critic. Um, but even if you're not an artist, you know, we can, you know, you can all be really hard on yourself. Um, but I want people to know that they can be, they can be a work of art or an art in, art in progress and a masterpiece at the same time. You know, we're all perfectly imperfect. You know, there's always something about us. You know, other people might see our potential, but we can't see it ourselves. Um, but you have to realize that, you know, um, there's always there's always room to grow. You know, there's always someone else looking at us or, or being inspired by us. You know what I'm saying? So we don't want to back down on opportunities. You know, I want everybody who wants to pursue a dream or whatever it is to know that, you know, you can do it. You know, you might not have the resources, but you should try to seek the resources, you know, um, and just to take advantage of the people that you know and the knowledge that you have and the networks that you're a part of and um, just work towards being better, at, you know, or getting a step closer, you know, because things are not going to always, you know, take off immediately. You know what I'm saying? When I started the Art Bay, you know, I knew it was going to be a progressive thing, but I didn't I didn't expect everything to take off immediately. And, you know, we get thousands of followers, you know, everything's going to be progressive. But, um, yeah. you know, you just don't want to lose inspiration. Look at the long term goal and don't focus on the day to day. Enjoy the journey and, um, you know, enjoy the process, you know, and uh, just realize that it's going to take time and it'll eventually, you know, prove to be rewarding for you and for everybody else who's rooting for you. All right. Well, just to kind of wrap things up here, where can our audience find out more about you and about your work online? You can find more about me. Um, I utilize Instagram a lot. Instagram is Carrie Michael underscore. And that's C-A-R-Y-M-I-C-H-A-E-L underscore. Um, also on Twitter, Carrie Michael underscore. Um, you can check out my website, CarrieMichael.com. Um, Facebook, Carrie Michael. Um, I'm, you know, I'm always accepting new friend requests. You don't have to worry about <laughs> being ashamed to kind of follow me or anything. Um, and also check out Art Bay on Instagram and check out some of those inspiring stories from people who are pursuing, you know, their passion. And that Instagram is Art Bay, that's A-R-T-B-A-E online. And um, you can also check, check that out at artbayonline.com. All right. Sounds good. Well, Carrie Michael Robinson, I want to thank you so much for for coming on the show. Thank you really for kind of just sharing uh, your your story, like from starting in, you know, small town kind of Mobile, Alabama, and then really discovering your talent and then taking it to D.C. and branching it out into all these different efforts, I think is is inspiring. But then also, you know, the other side of it, and we we sort of touched on it more in the beginning of the episode about, mm -hmm. you know, what designers and artists need to know to protect their work because certainly uh, i mean we live in a capitalist consumerist society uh, design is often commoditized and we don't want to fall you know victim to that we want to make sure that we're getting what's worth so we can create more and sustain ourselves i mean that whole myth of the starving artist doesn't have to be i mean we, that shouldn't yeah. exist is basically what i'm trying yeah. to say uh <laughs> so so thank you not just for you know creating your work but also really kind mm -hmm. of encouraging and and helping artists out there to make sure that they get you know get fed so absolutely. thank you again so much for coming on the show i appreciate absolutely. it absolutely thank you for having me i really appreciate it Thoughts of love and that's it for this week big thanks to carrie michael robinson and thanks to you for listening you can find out more about carrie michael and his work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com also, thanks as always to our sponsors, Facebook Design, Glitch, Google Design, and MailChimp. 
With a community of over 2 billion people, the design team at Facebook works on a diverse range of problems. Everything Facebook designs is done at scale, so research, content strategy, data, and other factors are a huge part of how they work. Sound interesting? Then learn more about Facebook design and what they do at facebook.com forward slash design. Glitch is a friendly community where you'll build the web app of your dreams. Now I talk about Glitch a lot on here and certainly if you've seen it, you might think it looks like a toy, but let me tell you, it's not. It runs on the exact same infrastructure and engine that the best developers in the world use to run their apps. And it's all built around the friendly community of designers, developers, coders, artists, activists, educators, basically people just like you. So get started on making something awesome today at glitch.com. Google Design is a cooperative effort led by designers, writers, and developers at Google. They work across teams to publish original content, produce great events, and foster creative and educational partnerships that advance both design and technology. For more information on news, design resources, and their design podcasts, check them out at design.google. MailChimp is the world's largest marketing automation platform. They support millions of customers from small e-commerce shops to big online retailers, and they support the creative community as well. MailChimp really gives you the marketing tools to be yourself on a bigger stage. Visit MailChimp.com and sign up for a free account today. MailChimp. Send better email. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. This episode was edited and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro voiceover is by Music Man Dre with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. If you liked this episode, then please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a minute or two. It helps more people learn about the show here in the U.S. and internationally. It also helps the show by bumping us up in the rankings for design podcasts. And just like with Adam Box's review, I'll read your review right here on the show. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.